everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about someone in the Bible who was isolated, kind of like we are now. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for listening. Our sermons have been listened to almost 20,000 times since last July 1st. That is a staggering number. And it's a number that represents a lot of people hearing biblical teaching and the gospel story. This only happens by people like you listening faithfully, but also leaving ratings and reviews and sharing with their friends. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I appreciate you being with us each week and I appreciate you helping us take the message of Jesus and the story of the Bible further to more people. So once again, thank you. I hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Hey everyone, my name is Chad. I'm the pastor of Creekside. Thanks for being with us today. Welcome to my garage office. I just want to start by being really open with you. And I want to say this, this has been a really discouraging time in my life. The time that we've been quarantined, the time that we've been isolated into our own homes has been really uh, discouraging. A few weeks ago, I was as depressed as I get ever, just with everything going on and, and my own personal uh, struggles with being you know, home and stuck at home. Let me just give you a few of those. Like, For one, my family struggles with hypochondria and obsessive compulsive disorder. And I have some of those tendencies in me. You may not know that at all because uh, they're not strong tendencies, but they're there. And I work really hard not to let them kind of rise to the surface and have a negative impact on on my life and, and on the lives of the people that I'm close to. But, you know, with with the talk of disease, you know, all the time, reading about it all the time, those tendencies have have moved towards the surface in me. And I've been more stressed about me getting sick and my family getting sick than I, than I normally am, which normally I, I don't stress about it very much at all. Uh, I've, I'm on a first name basis or we have given a nickname even to hand sanitizer now. And uh, I've really found myself not being able to, to fight against some of those tendencies that I that I fight against, uh, you know, always, but but it's been a harder fight recently. I also like being around people. I especially like to get to know new people, and I, I enjoy running into people that I don't get to see very often, other pastors in town at coffee shops and things like that. And, and it's been discouraging not to be able to do those things, not to be able to meet new people, or at least in a really meaningful way, not to be able to see some of the people that I that I only get to see when I'm at a coffee shop or, you know, things like that. And that's been discouraging for me. I've been working a ton in the last month, and yet it feels like the work that I'm doing is less productive than normal. Now, I don't want to diminish what we have been doing as a church because I I know and I've heard that God is using us as we kind of do everything online. But there's so many things that we're learning and growing in that hopefully we won't have to use long term. And, and I'm not really wired to like that. I, I like to know that the work I'm doing is going to uh, be meaningful in the long term as well as in the short term. And I, I'm thankful for the, the short term work that we're accomplishing. But I really feel like 
the long-term impact of the work may not be as strong as, as what we normally do and, and, and won't be as strong as you know the ministry that I normally do. And, and that's frustrating to me. It's discouraging. Uh, Easter, you know, that was a discouraging thing to not be with so many of you that I, I love and uh, I always like to be with you, but Easter Sunday is so fun and I love that we baptize people. I love decorating the old ugly cross. I, I love the music that we do when we're together on Easter. I love seeing people dressed up. I love seeing the little kids at our church in their Sunday best, something that we don't always see at our church. I, I love the food that we eat at our brunch on Easter and all that was was taken from us this year, and it was sad. I think that what we did online last week was important and good, but it wasn't the same, and that was discouraging. And then just, you know, we're surrounded by by talk of death and, and sad things that that we're reading about. It's it's every day we read a new sad story and uh, and that's hard. That that builds and it it has a negative effect on kind of our emotional state and all of that you know and probably more has been really discouraging for me it's been a discouraging month and and because of that I started to think like about the bible you know and I started to think about the people in scripture who were isolated from others I've been struggling and I, and I, I believe that a lot of you are probably struggling too with all that we're facing but but maybe most specifically for many of us, just the struggle of being isolated from others and into our homes and all of the things that kind of come with isolation. But as I considered the Bible, it wasn't hard for me to come up with a list of people to think about a bunch of people that were isolated in really uh, terrible ways often in Scripture. Uh, if you've been in church a long time, then you you could probably come up with a list of people really quickly. And let me just let me just read a bunch of them in Scripture right here for you: Joseph, Samson, Jeremiah, Micaiah, Zedekiah, Daniel, John the Baptist, Peter, James, John, Silas, Paul, Epaphras, uh, Aristarchus, Junia, and even Jesus Himself. These people were isolated in one way or another in their lives. And as I, as I kind of thought about the people in Scripture who were isolated, I thought, man, I should, I should preach on, uh, on their stories and what they experienced. Because here's what I started to think about as I, as I pondered these people and their times being isolated from others. They often responded really well. And I want to respond really well to this time that we're isolated. And so they responded really well, but also, and I think this is going to be key to all of these sermons that we do in this sermon series that I'm now presenting to you. Not only did they respond well, but God did incredible things really through their time of isolation. And so this morning, we are going to begin looking at, at some of these people in the Bible that were isolated, that were quarantined, if you will. And we're going to look at really two things in each of their lives, how they responded and how God used that isolation for good. The first story that I want to look at is the story of Joseph. And I think it's the 
perfect story to begin with. Not the dad of Jesus, but Joseph in the book of Genesis. If you don't know Joseph's story, man, I want to try to tell it to you in just a short time here because Joseph is one of my favorite people in the Bible. I've loved Joseph's story from the time I was a kid and my uncle was a youth pastor and and I, I sat in as he led a Bible study on Joseph and, and I've loved it ever since then. It's a great story and it's really a great story of God's work in the midst of isolation. And so uh, let me just begin. Joseph was one of 12 sons of his dad and he was, he was really his dad's favorite son. You may know the story of Joseph receiving a coat of many colors from his dad. Obviously, that that was going to lead to some tension with those other brothers, his older brothers specifically. But then it's magnified by Joseph having dreams. And the dreams indicate that someday Joseph will rule over his brothers and they will bow to him. If you've had any siblings at all, you could guess how well that went over. And so uh, they uh, they are out doing their work one day and, and Joseph's dad sends Joseph to them to check on them. And, and as he's coming, they plot to kill him, but cooler heads prevail. And so instead of killing him, they first throw him into a well and there's some isolation there, but that's not the isolation we're going to talk about today. And then they decide to sell him into slavery. He's sold into slavery and he ends up in the house of a man named Potiphar who is a high up in the Egyptian world. And, and Potiphar is impressed by Joseph's work and God uses, uh, God works in Joseph's life so that, that he really becomes a, an incredible servant to Potiphar so that Potiphar just totally uh, and utterly trusts Joseph with his estate. In fact, he trusts him so much that he leaves him alone with his wife, and, and that's where S- Joseph's story takes another bad turn. Uh, Joseph, uh, excuse me, Potiphar's wife makes a move on Joseph. She makes an advance at Joseph, and Joseph literally flees the temptation, but Potiphar's wife tells a false story. She says that Joseph made a move on her, and, and as you can also imagine, Potiphar is enraged by this and 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 she's telling this story and we this is where we pick up in scripture uh this kind of story of joseph in genesis 39 19 and 20 we read this when his master heard the story of his his wife told him saying this is how your slave treated me he burned with anger joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined Potiphar burned with anger after hearing his wife's story. But what's interesting here is that Joseph's feelings aren't explained at all. And I think that one of the big reasons for that is this isn't a story about Joseph's feelings. It's a story about Joseph's faithfulness and God's favor. Uh, It's interesting that Joseph is, to me anyway, maybe not you, but to me it's interesting that Joseph is the first person thrown in prison in the Bible. And this may mean that he's the first God-fearing, God-loving, God-serving person thrown into prison. That sucks, right? And uh, while it might be uh, a place connected to uh, the palace, if you look at the kind of Hebrew language for prison here, it's not a nice place. And in fact, in Genesis 41, 14, it's referred to as a dungeon. I, I can kind of picture what a dungeon looks like because uh, when I was uh, in college, I, I took kind of the, uh, 
the scary tour of, of my college, Corbin University, with one of the campus security there. And, and when I was there, there was these doors out in the parking lot that were just kind of tied shut with a wire. And, and so we were kind of taking this scary tour of this, this school campus that used to be uh, a TB hospital. And, and we decided that we were going to open these doors with campus security. If any of you from Corbin are, are watching right now, please don't come and, and arrest me or take away my degree. But we opened up these doors and we looked inside and it was the darkest, scariest looking cave that I can possibly imagine. That's always how I've pictured dungeons, like this big open area behind those scary doors. Interestingly, the doors like disappeared and they landscaped around them almost immediately after we opened them up. But, but Joseph in this, in this prison is in a place like that, a, a dungeony type place, a scary type place. He is isolated and his isolation is in a place that is unpleasant. I'd like you to point, I'd like to point your attention to the final word in that passage. If you were paying attention, the word is confined. And that's how I feel right now. And I think that's how a lot of us feel. We feel confined. It's not a feeling that is normal to us as modern day Americans. We are not used to being confined. And frankly, I don't do well with being confined. If you've been around our church any length of time, you know that my biggest fear is being stuck in an elevator. And often that's followed up by the question, when I tell people that it's followed up by the question, well, are, are you scared it's gonna break and fall and you're gonna die? No, I'm scared of being stuck in the elevator. And right now I feel a little bit like I'm stuck in an elevator. Now I know I can go outside. We've been taking lots of walks and things like that, but I feel confined and I'm confined in a, a nice home with family that I love, but I'm still confined and it's hard. And I think it's hard on a lot of us. Now, I want to be abundantly clear and I'm going to say this in every one of these sermons. Why Joseph was confined and why the other people in this series were confined is vastly different than why we are confined. I don't want anybody to make some connection uh, and, and say that I am saying that we're imprisoned or anything like that. That is not what I'm getting at in this series. The point of this series isn't about why people are confined. The point is that they were and, and they responded well and God worked through their isolation. The last thing that's really important about these first couple of verses is that he wasn't there for a short time. We know that his time as a slave in the house of Potiphar combined with his time in prison was 13 years. And we know that he was in prison at least two years. So it's somewhere between two and 13 years. He is in this prison. He is isolated in a way and in a place that is terrible and in, and in a way in a place that we, most of us cannot understand. And here's what, this is so, this is so important what we read next. Here's Joseph isolated. What's going to happen is he's there in prison. This is what we read in verses 20 through 23. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison ward. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
The phrase that is in this passage, it doesn't come out in the NIV translation, but, but one of the key phrases, I think, in this passage is, is, but the Lord. This is a phrase that is used 76 times in the Old Testament. It's, all, it's often followed by really good news. People are in bad situations, but the Lord. People are, are dealing with things that they don't want to deal with, but the Lord. It's like, it's like the, the writers start this and they just want you to know at the very beginning of this kind of turnaround, the, the people are facing difficult, hurtful, scary things, but the Lord has come to save the day. God is going to do a work anyway. And I think a lot of us just need to dwell on that little phrase, but the Lord. We're, we're stuck in our homes Many, many are scared, they're struggling, they're fighting uphill battles, they're doing things that they never thought they would be doing and they don't like doing. And I think that God would just want to remind you, but the Lord, God is going to do a work despite what you are dealing with. And then there's these key, man, these key phrases here that, that are so important to all that, that we are, are struggling with right now is we, like Joseph, are isolated. The first is, is so important. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. A book called Opening Up Genesis says this, the message is clear, isn't it? Even though Joseph was away from his homeland, even though he had been betrayed by his brothers, even though he was no longer a free man, and even though he ended up in prison, still the Lord was with him. It reminds me of this story that, that my grandma has told me. She, uh, and, and I guess me too, we went to church with a, a man who was a, a fighter pilot when I was just a little kid. And my grandma one day looked at him after church or whatever, and she said, isn't it scary being all alone up there in, in those you know jets that are flying so fast? Isn't that scary to be alone? And he looked back at her and he said, Cynthia, I'm never alone up there. And what he meant by that was that God was with him. God was with him. I think it's really important as you face the things that you are facing right now to remember that God is with you. God is with you. No matter how bad it might seem, no matter what you are struggling with, no matter how frustrated or, or discouraged you are about all that is happening in your life and in the world right now, God is with you. There's this song that, that my grandma taught me when I was a little kid. And, and there were some days, man, there were some days in my childhood where, where I felt really alone. I felt really isolated. And it was scary. And, and I don't know if it was in the midst of all that, but at some point in my childhood, I think in the midst of all of that, uh, my grandma taught me this song that, that she tells me now she heard in, in a single interview on Christian television, a guy kind of sang this little, this little, um, this little song, this little children's song, and, and she remembered it. We've never found it on the internet. We've never been able to find it online. It's like it doesn't exist outside of our family, but it's a, a song that has become really important to me. And so, in fact, so important to me that I have, I have taught it to my children. 
I think that one of the reasons it, it's been so important to me is because I was so isolated and so alone and so scared at certain points. And this song gave me incredible hope. And so uh, this morning, I, I just wanted to have my kids sing you the first verse. And so here they are. Jesus is with me all through the day. Stays close beside me all through the day. When I'm with others, all alone. Jesus is with me all through the day. Jesus is with me all through the day. Stays close beside me all through the day. When I'm with others or all alone, Jesus is with me all through the day. And you, you are isolated right now. And maybe you feel like you've been left all alone. But I want you to know that Jesus is with you even when you're alone. Jesus is with you. This second phrase, not only was God with Joseph, but God showed him kindness. The Hebrew word translated kindness here is so much better and bigger than kindness. Listen to the ways it can be translated. Devotion, faithfulness, kindness, loving kindness, loyalty, mercy, unchanging love, goodness, loyal love. And so what is it? It's covenantial love. It is undeserved love that, is, that continues. It is love that is undeserved but continues based on God's incredible grace. While that hesed love, that's the Hebrew word, that covenantial love was in the Old Testament given to a family when we encounter Joseph and then later to a nation, Israel. It has now been offered to each and every one of us through what Jesus did on the cross, through what we celebrated on Good Friday and Easter last week. Man, as Christians, we believe that all people were separated from the love of God by their own sin. Every person has made decisions to reject God in their own ways. They've done things that we call sin. And God looked down from heaven. I, I Man, this is such an important story. It's the most important story. He looked down from heaven and he said, I don't want to be separated from them. I want to pour out my love on them again. I want to enter into a relationship with them. And so God came in the person of Jesus. Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life. And at the end of that sinless life, he paid for all of our sins. He died on a cross and then he rose from the grave. And it all happened so that God's hessed love could be poured out, not on a family or a nation, but on all people who choose to accept the gift of salvation that Jesus has offered us. Now look, I just want to pause right here and say, if you've never accepted the gift of salvation, if you've never accepted the gift of hesed love, covenantial love, love that is undeserved but will not stop if you embrace it, if you've never accepted that gift by looking at Jesus and saying, I believe you died for my sins, I believe that you rose again, I believe that you are the God of the universe and I want to give you my life, then I would hope that you would do that today. I don't know how I would be making it through right now in isolation if I didn't know the love of God, the love of God that saved me from my sin. And so please, give yourself to Jesus. 
believe that story and give yourself to Jesus. I hope and I'll pray at the end that God is compelling you to do that this morning. Uh, But for others of us, we have embraced that incredible love. And I think times like the ones we are facing now can make it difficult to remember that incredible love that God has poured out on us. But I would say this, I would offer this, that now more than ever, ever, we need to cling to the love that God has given us. God is with you and God loves you, even if you are are isolated. There's another word, he, he, he granted our phrase, he granted him favor. The Hebrew word for favor can also be translated grace. And this grace, this favor comes through the prison warden in the story of Joseph. But we must remember that God is, even in the midst of all that we are facing right now, pouring out his grace on us. We must notice that God grants Joseph favor though, while he is still in prison. I think that we think that God's favor will mean that we are no longer isolated. Sometimes we believe that if God is pouring his grace out on us, then we will no longer have problems. He will take all of our problems from us. Everything will get better. Everything will be perfect. Everything will be right. But what the story of Joseph says to us is that even in the midst of the bad that we face, even in the midst of isolation, God's grace is still being poured out on us. Us. I want you to know this morning that God's grace has not left you. God's grace is still being poured out on you. God is with you. God loves you. And God is offering you his grace. He is offering grace to his children right now in the midst of what you are dealing in the midst of isolation. Um, Joseph's story doesn't stop while he's in prison. Uh, well, this is what happens. Let me tell you the rest of the story. Some prisoners, some high uh, level officials actually end up in prison with Joseph. They have some dreams. This is what we read in Genesis 48. We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Jo- then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. And then through the power of God, he interprets their dreams and he turns out to be right. And um, later, Pharaoh has a dream. The king of the land has a dream. And and one of those high officials tells him about Joseph. And Joseph is brought to Pharaoh. And we read in Genesis 41, 16, after Pharaoh has basically said, I want somebody to interpret my dream. We read this. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph interprets the dream through the power of God again, and it's about seven good years of of growth and uh, produce coming to the land, followed by seven years of famine, seven bad years in the land. And so Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of, of famine preparations, and it all comes true just like God had revealed to Joseph. And then this crazy thing happens. Those same brothers who had sold Joseph into slavery now come to find food for their family in Egypt. And there is Joseph in charge. They don't recognize him at first, but eventually he reveals himself to his brothers. Things are okay for a while, but then their dad dies and they're scared that he's going to punish them. And then we read this incredible thing. I think one of the great verses in all of scripture, one of the great verses in the book of Genesis, Genesis 50, 20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
What an incredible truth in the story of Joseph's life. These brothers had done an evil thing to him, but God had used it for good. The saving of many lives, literally and physically, many lives were saved. And it can all be traced back to Joseph being thrown into a well in isolation there. Joseph being sold into slavery, being in isolation there. And and then Joseph being put in prison, being in isolation there. In the midst of all of the the things that were bad that happened to Joseph, God was working it for good. In the midst of all of the moments, the years that Joseph was in isolation, God was working for good. Romans 8.28 says that the same thing is true for us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. If you love God, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you're a Christian, then know this, God is using what is happening in your life right now, what is happening in the world right now for your good. Let me repeat that to you, it's important. If you are a Christian, then God is using what you are facing. God is using your isolation for your good, for your good good. Now, some might wonder though, and I, I just want to address this. Some might wonder and say like this, something to this effect. Well, Joseph had such a huge purpose. I mean, the saving of, of lives, many, many lives. And, and Joseph had dreams when he was a kid that talked about ruling and everything he touched turned to gold and, and God used him to save a nation and uh, even several nations maybe. And he rose to the second uh, in, in command in the world's greatest nation at the time. I mean, of course God was working his isolation for his good. And of course God was using the evil that, that had been kind of directed at him for his good, but, but I'm just me. I mean, Joseph had a true purpose, but, but I'm just me. I would, I would just say two things to that in response to that this morning. First, I'd like you to notice and pay attention and think about the fact that Joseph in no way would have felt like a particularly blessed person in his life. In fact, I would say that Joseph probably felt like a cursed person, right? I mean, his brothers hated him so much that they wanted to kill him, but instead, you know, decided to sell him into slavery. I mean, he has a good thing going while he's a slave, which is crazy and it seems unlikely, but it, but it is, it's, it's a fine thing that he's dealing with. But then a a woman makes a false accusation against him and he ends up in prison and even in, in prison while, while the prison warden is Uh, treating him well, Uh, these high officials actually, I didn't say this part of the story, but they forget to tell, to tell Pharaoh about Joseph. And so he hangs out in prison far longer than he needs to. And I would just say that, that maybe like you, Joseph would have spent much of his life feeling not like a blessed person, but a cursed person. And so for us to come along and say, well, of course, Joseph, you know, he could see that God was working all things for his good, that he was using the evil for good in his life, of course, is really disingenuous to the story because Joseph, like us, even beyond us, dealt with incredibly difficult things and probably felt like far less than even normal. He felt like he was cursed, I'm sure, at least many days. And so don't look 
back at the story and say, well, look at all this. Because someday, here's the deal. Here's the thing. I think someday we'll look back at our story. We'll look back at these moments where we are isolated and we'll see then how God was working them for our good. Now, here's the second thing. You are blessed and you have a purpose too. Listen to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For, notice this, pay attention to this part. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Philippians 1, 6, it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is going to use this isolation for your good because he loves you, but also because God has created you for good work. And if you are a Christian, then God is going to be faithful to carry that work on in you and through you to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, the day that Jesus returns. The Bible knowledge commentary says, with the dreams of prosperity in his memory, he remained loyal to God rather than yield to temptation. And that makes, that, that leads me to, to my final point this morning. God grants Joseph his favor, even in the midst of isolation. But Joseph responds to that favor by being faithful to God. Opening up Genesis says this, most of us are not exactly like Joseph serving high up in the government or impacting a nation's finances, but in our spheres of influence, are we using the manifest blessings of God, be they influence, position, popularity, or money to bless, bless others and speak for God? Those who are under the favor of God, we are expected to demonstrate the faithful or demonstrate faithfulness to God. Let me read that last part again. Those who are under the favor of God, we are expected to demonstrate faithfulness to God. And then the Bible reader's companion says this, Joseph's faithfulness prepared him for the sudden advancement he experienced. If we cannot be faithful in small things, we cannot expect great things to follow. God's favor was with Joseph, even in isolation. And Joseph served him faithfully. You have God's favor. And so in the midst of isolation, even serve him faithfully. God is with you. God loves you. God is gracious and being gracious to you right now. And so you must serve him even in the midst of isolation. You have God's favor and so serve him faithfully. The Bible Reader's Companion says this, the conviction that God is with us in every circumstance frees us to keep on doing our best, however great our setbacks. Man, we're all facing a setback right now. Uh, The nation is facing a setback right now. The world is facing a setback right now. But knowing that God is with us, that God loves us, that God is gracious, helps us to continue to, to do our best and really to serve God in the midst of these giant setbacks that we are facing. And I would say to you this morning that 
that we need that as individuals, but our families need that from us. And, and our, our cities need that from us. And our nation needs that from us. And our world needs that from us. If we're Christians, then we must continue to serve God faithfully, even in the midst of isolation. And we can do that if we'll recognize that we are still under God's incredible favor. God's incredible favor. Jesus is with you all through the day, stays close beside you all through the day. When you're with others or all alone in isolation, Jesus is with you all through the day. So serve him faithfully. Let me pray that you'll do just that. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, first for people who are not Christians, that you would draw them to you this morning, that you would, by your grace, by your presence, by your love, you would compel them to enter into a relationship with you. Maybe, maybe God, people listening, watching right now have, have known the story of Jesus and the story of you coming to earth to die for them and, and coming back to life for a long time, but they've never chosen to make you their Lord and Savior. I pray that they would do that this morning. Maybe this is the first time some people have ever heard that story, the gospel story as we call it, God. I pray that you would, you would draw them to either explore it more or maybe right now, God, they would just say, wow, I didn't know that and I think it's true and they would give, uh, give themselves to you, God. They would become your followers right now. And for those of us, God, who are Christians, who are facing an incredibly discouraging, even scary time, I pray, God, that you would show us, that you would remind us that you are with us, that you love us, and God, that you are gracious. You would remind us, God, that your favor is still upon us, even in isolation. And I pray, God, out of that, we would continue to serve you faithfully. Lord, I think there's two people watching right now, two kinds of Christians watching right now, Lord. Some who just need the encouragement that your favor is still upon them and others who need to be reminded that they need to continue to serve you faithfully. And I pray, God, that you would do whatever work needs to be done in every person who is watching. Maybe there's a mixture of that. I don't know, God, but, but right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit in people's homes, speak to hearts, God, Compel people to serve you faithfully, God, and, and remind people that, that your favor, your grace, your presence, your love is still being poured out on them in the midst of their isolation. I pray these things in Jesus' holy name, amen. Hey, again, thanks for being with us today. If God's used the story of Joseph, my words this morning to impact your life, please do me a huge favor and go to creekside.me slash respond and let me know uh, how God has used you know, this sermon this morning in you. I'd love to be able to hear about it firsthand in person, but we can't do that right now. And so please go to creekside.me slash respond and let me know how God has used this sermon in your life.